like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good, don't you? And so maybe you're not accustomed to coming out on Wednesday night, but would like to join us. I'm going to encourage you to meet with us here at 7, and that way we can kind of go in because I'm going to need to follow somebody. I don't, to be honest, I've only been in the school once or twice, and that's to my own shame. I want to change that. Um, we need to be connected as much as we can. And when we get an invitation like that, we need to take it. And uh, so I'm going to encourage you. They're saying it starts at 730, um, probably be 40 minutes or so, maybe an hour. Uh, we go to pray, okay, just so you know. And uh, what they've done is they've divided it up into different groups so we can pray together in our group. And they will give us areas that we'll be praying for. I believe we'll be praying for teachers Uh, potential students there, uh, various elements that are going on. And as you read the news, um, we need to be praying uh, for the school system, and especially those that are in it, whether it's teaching or some of our own students that we have here. And uh, so I'd encourage you to come out. I'm not, I don't think it's exclusive, so if there's teens that want to join us, uh, you're more than welcome to come out for that also. So that's Wednesday night. If you have any questions, feel free to talk to me about that. That in-house talent program night or whatever we're calling that, at the end of the month, I was looking at the list. Have you looked at the list? Have you seen who's on the list? You better check it out. But there's one group that I'm seeing not on that list. We need a men's group. So who's going to head it up? Any volunteers? Wouldn't, wouldn't, ladies, wouldn't you like to hear the men sing? Okay, all right. So just a little word to the wise on that one. And uh, that's going to be a great night together. The mailboxes, thank you so much uh, for your patience. This is just a new thing. And I know you come in this morning and it was bedlam. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like when somebody sits in your chair, it's like, what do I do now, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's going to revolutionize our whole world, folks. I mean, some of you are going to start the strategy of, you know, where the preferred parking now is going to be? That door over there. Uh, you know, I, I'm just saying, right? But it is an opportunity. And, folks, I want you to look at the list, post it, because this can be a great prayer guide for you also. We're talking about encouraging one another this month, Right? And you know when you're praying, you ever had that happen? Or you're just going through your day and a name comes to mind? Well, now you've got a place that you can actually drop them a note. And when you come to church, put it in the slot. What an encouragement that can be. So there's a lot of ways that we can use the mailbox. Give us four weeks and you'll never remember the old way of doing things. If you still prefer to have your hand delivered... We will do that, too. Um, We are an all-encompassing organization here, right? Uh, But the mailboxes are there. And also, if you're here and you don't have a mailbox, uh, you don't have to be a member, um, just give us your name and and, uh, that kind of thing, and we'll get you a box. And just let Bev, myself, put it in the offering plate, some kind of a name that we can put on there, and we'll give you a box number. So I think that was that. Let me see if there's anything else. Um, Yes, at the back for you men, uh, Breakfast of Champions, there are tickets. Ushers, at the end of the service, if you could just grab a bunch of those, 
You got some friends that you'd like to bring? We've made it an admit one type of a coupon ticket with some information on the back. You got some friends. That's what this is for, is to invite men out. So feel free to take them. Just keep an idea of how many people are coming and just let um, probably Paul, I guess, know um, if you've got more than yourself that are coming, sign your name next week or whatever, that kind of thing. So we keep an idea. We want to make sure that we can feed you when you come. And I will guarantee you, men, you will be fed well and not just physically. Uh, we had the opportunity to hear a little bit of a preview yesterday morning about that and what we're going to talk about, Benaiah, just an amazing man. And uh, I believe that there's some key things, guys, that we can learn from this and looking forward to that together. So just a couple of things there, and uh, hopefully that will take care of that. Ready to pray? Got a number of requests this morning. Always good, isn't it? <clears throat> just in the house of God, just to take a few minutes, and it ought to be a house of prayer. And, and uh, you know, uh, I just want to say this to you. I, <laughs> I know that they do this in the city and the church doors are always open and, and uh, we have a school and so sometimes the doors are locked. But you know what? If you need a quiet place, this is a great place. And even when the lights are off, with those, whatever you call those things in the ceiling, it's bright in here. And then if you really want to know where my favorite spot is, don't tell anybody, okay? At 2 o'clock in the afternoon... Those rocking chairs out there are just begging for somebody to come out and pray. What a wonderful place. Come join me if you like. It's just great just to spend a couple minutes and just kind of rejuvenate. If there's one thing I need, it's to be rejuvenated. And sometimes you just get flat out weary in well-doing. And I know you can pray at home, and that's good. But sometimes you need that special place where you can come. I don't think we would mind at all if you wanted to make people's church that special place where you come and pray. It's a good place. It ought to be a safe place for us. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, we're thankful for the opportunity this morning to be reminded of you through the various songs that we have sung, the lyrics that have been presented to us by being reminded of the fun that we had as a family on Friday night through slides. <laughs> it was just a great time. To be able to give back a portion of what you've given to us. All these are expressions of worship. And this morning we worship. We praise you. We thank you because without you we would be absolutely nothing. And God, this morning I pray in these moments that we have to open your word that, again, our hearts are in tune. That's the preparatory that we've been doing as we sing together the purpose for music. God, we thank you. We think of those this morning that can't be here with us today. For whatever the reason might be, whether it be for travel or ministry, we think of Keith and Beth today as they're traveling and uh, down at Dyer Brook this morning, probably speaking even as we are here this morning. We pray for others today that are sick and can't be here. And God, we ask a special blessing upon them. And you know their heart cry. You know their need. God, we thank you. As the body, we can encourage them by praying for them and maybe picking up the phone later and giving them a call or visiting or dropping in, whatever it might be. 
Help us to be sensitive to your leading. God, we thank you for this past week's annual meeting and for the wonderful reports and just the direction that we saw you engaged in our church family here last year. And because of that, we have great confidence for the future. We think of the various things that are coming up, whether it be the men's breakfast or evening service or trips to Texas with different groups and to New York City for our missions teams. God, we pray that as we prepare, that we'll take care of today because if we take care of today, tomorrow will come. God, I pray that you'll help us to focus that way. For the rest of our missionary family today, we continue to pray for them. And we ask that you work in their hearts and lives in a special way and let them know that we are praying along with them and that we are encouraged to be able to be a part of their team. I pray that you'll give them fruit for their labor. And God, that you would give them refreshment for their soul today. God, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you for all that you're doing, all that you have been and all that you will. We give you the glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles there, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. One other little housekeeping thing, if you could be praying for Sandy. Uh, she's heading off to the deep south. Uh, it's south from here, but not very south. Indiana. And uh, our daughter has a bridal shower coming up on, the, on Friday. And uh, so she's going down for it. And uh, so she flies out on uh, Wednesday. We'll be back a week Thursday, spending time with all those grandkids. So you'll see all the glow when she gets back, and we'll hear all the hoopla. Uh, I told her this morning, I said, don't even think about not coming back. Because I will follow you. So she's coming back. We got the honing device on her. She is on her way back, even as we speak, but not quite. She's got to get there first. So lots of plans and things, so we appreciate that. And uh, as you pray for her. Working through the Sermon on the Mount. You ready to go? Got some things this morning. We want to look at the next section, just verses 13 to 16. Uh, if you were in our class this morning, um, it's interesting how the parallels go. Now, I don't know, Derek, in Sunday school, I got out of that class that there were many were cold and few were fo- frozen. Was that what that was that that section in there or something? No, many were called and few were chosen. Oh, okay, I got that. All right. Anyway, it was. It's like we're finding out that Jesus uses this particular text. This becomes the linchpin for what he said after. You can go back and find it throughout the Gospels throughout the book of Acts, into the epistles, and we'll deal with that next week. But uh, it's just amazing how important these three chapters are. So as we look at it, we've been talking through this whole thing. You have said, versus what Jesus says. And we know the issue is truth. Who has the truth? Was it the Pharisees? Was it the Sadducees? We went through all of that, and now we look at the three chapters. We're in chapter 5, and we're talking about the truth as it relates to the lifestyle of a believer. We spent all the last couple of weeks talking about attitude of believers, the beatitudes of believers. 
what it looks like. Because we realize that Jesus taught very clearly, and it was a real challenge, that not everybody is going to be part of the kingdom of God. There was a very key group, and that was the little little clique that Jesus presented at the very end to remind them that there were those that were called and chosen, not everyone. Very, very key for us to be mindful of living in a society that we live in today that's so inclusive. As we talk a little bit about it, just a bit of review for you. Got another one kind of thinking through. This is basically man's way versus God's way. And it really seems to be the challenge, isn't it? Doesn't it? Everything that we're addressing today seems to have this as its marker. There's no halfway. There's no in-between. There is no 50 shades of gray. If you know what I'm talking about, that is dreadfully so typical of our world. It wants to present something that God has designed and make it a very different thing that we all can feel comfortable with. Guess what? We're talking about God Almighty, aren't we? I mean, you ever get into that situation where it's like, well, (laughs) that's just your opinion. You take your car in, or worse yet, you go talk to your doctor. My mom has this, this thing going on right now where uh, she's good. I mean, that lady is good. I've never seen anybody that can go to a cardiologist and get the cardiologist to change whatever the prescription was because my mother's sister had it, and she now doesn't believe in that, and then blah, 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 and before long, the cardiologist is writing out a new prescription. I'm like, Mom, how did you do that? I'm the same way. I am my mother's son. But I am also a sinner saved by grace. I don't like people telling me what to do. It grates. I like to give myself a little freedom to kind of think about it. You ever done that? My friend, you can't with the word of God. It's black and white. It's what God says. And we need to realize that as we come in. That's why there's so much conflict. That's why they hated Christ. The kingdom of heaven... He's made up these people, and Jesus said, blessed are they. And you got that little, I don't know, I, I'm just trying to give you illustrations somewhere. How do you, how do you work this in your mind? It all begins with the cross, my friend, doesn't it? That is, we sang that beautiful, terrible cross. Perfect timing this morning. That's where it all begins. That's where it is. You cannot go to step eight and pick it up there. You have to come to the place where we know and we talk through. The key to all of it is in the Beatitudes where we will willingly acknowledge, humble ourselves, pour in spirit, bend the knee, repent, 
and work our way down through. And we get to that hunger where we begin to see the inner man be so encouraged that we are overflowing with a thirst and a hunger for righteousness. And then we talked about how from that point on, the overflow starts to show up in the lives of his people, whether it's merciful, pure, peacemaker. And then we see, well, guess what? If we do these things, probably there's going to be some persecution. People aren't going to understand. Folks, this is a challenge for Canadians. I like to be liked, don't you? You ever get in one of those situations where somebody's not agreeing with you and vehemently not agreeing with you? And it's like some of you are really good at just saying, ah, well, that's whatever, water under the bridge. And then there's some of us, it's like, oh, they don't like me. They may not even said anything about you. They may have just looked at you and somehow it's got, but there's that flavor of wanting to be a part. I wish we could have that same flavor for the family of God, but that's another question. That's another sermon on unity, right? We'll go there another day. Just something to help us think through. He began with this. The kingdom of heaven is made up of these kinds of people. Now, when you look at them, aren't those the kind of people you'd want to go with? I mean, if I'm going to go to war, if I'm going to go to the grocery store, if I'm going to go to daycare, if I'm going to go to church, if I'm going to go to the game, these are the people I want to be with. They're good people. No? Yes? Hello? You'll hear that again in a minute, too. This is the kind of things, but folks... The cool part is that it's an ongoing. Do you ever get to the place in your life where sometimes you think, I don't, I don't fit? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet? Everybody else is so far ahead of me? Folks, that's progressive sanctification. That's the theological term. That's what's taking place when you come to the place and you bend the knee. Automatically, the Holy Spirit of God begins its work within you. Philippians chapter 1. I'm confident of this thing. What? He, God, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so that's why you get into Ephesians and it starts to talk about the word walking. Paul was the master at terminology. The word walking, not just sitting. Sit, chapter 1, 2, 3. Walk, chapter 4, 5, and then eventually you stand. You cannot stand until you have sat under the overflow of all that God has given to you. You will never be able to walk until you have got that into your gut. You won't have the confidence to step out. And friends, if you are standing without any of that in your background, you will become very offensive to a lot of people. That was just Ephesians. So we see this all throughout the Word of God. Transformation is the name of the game. 
now. Again, I don't like it. Do you like change? Do you like it when God makes you a little uncomfortable and zeroes in on a point in your life that maybe you're not what you could be? And God throws all kinds of stuff, and he did this week. If we sat down, we could do this. We could talk through our week and dollars to donuts. The only lottery I do is Tim Hortons. It's roll up the rim. But dollars to donuts would say, this week, God has brought a series of things into your life. Because he loves you and he wants to see you advance in your growth. You mean when my car wouldn't start? Over my way, I couldn't get out the door. I mean, that's a good way to start the day. I couldn't get out the door. I mean, I'm like, and I got my hands, I got my computer bag here, right? And I can't get out the door. And I'm thinking, why does this always happen to me? You could follow that through to a couple other little things that took place this week and a phone call here and a nudge, nudge here and, a, and you know, and it's just, but a lot of times we're so preoccupied with the airspace that we're consumed with, we forget that God's there too working. Aren't you glad? My friend, if you feel this way, you're in good company, is what I'm trying to tell you. We're all travelers. We're all journeymen here. Nobody's got it all together. We may try to dress up, but you can only do that. It's the inner qualities of the heart that God begins to overflow so that we can share the glorious gospel that desperately needs to be seen from people who are being transformed into his image. That was all review. Ready? Here we go. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and see if we see anything different. Matthew chapter 5, let me read, verses 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out, trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that has been set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As we think about this, we see the two components. We see salt and light in the world. It's not one or the other. It is not a question. It says those kinds of people that understand the Beatitudes that are in the kingdom of God, growing in grace and in the knowledge of Him, being transformed, you are salt and light. Okay, let's talk about it. It seems to be no surprise 
Because these qualities exemplify both the inner and the outer characteristics of a follower of Christ. He's not changing anything. He's just backing on what he's just said, and he's giving an illustration of what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus Christ who exemplifies the Beatitudes. So we look at salt. We could talk this morning of a number of properties about salt. First one that I found was this area of friendship. Oh, it is big enough. You can read it. Um, Different culture, different day. We'd go to Tim Hortons and share coffee with friends, right? Back then, if you were friends, they actually gave them a pound of salt. It had to have been valuable. They shared salt. Okay, cool. Maybe that's not your big deal. But it also could seal a covenant, So now we begin to see the the real essence of this becoming a little more important than just. Because this could be something that would actually, instead of a handshake or instead of something written down, we would seal that with a covenant. We could talk about the purity because salt is white. And we could talk through... We are to be holy as God is holy this morning. Or we could even go to the part that we know the most about salt is that it adds flavor. Some of you like more flavor than others. We won't talk to you about your sodium intake. And then, of course, we get to this one that talks a little bit more about cleansing. You know, when you have a cut and you put salt into it, I've never been to Israel, but they say when you go to the Dead Sea, you probably better not have too many nicks when you shaved in the morning. Uh, I guess it's really painful. It has a cleansing approach. Some of us Christians, we kind of like that one. I like to be a stinger, don't you? Just walk around the grocery store and say, oh. Yeah, and walk up to them, oh. And you kind of sting them as you go. Or we could also talk about this one where it talks about a thirst. I like that one. I think this is a good thing for kingdom dwellers is that we are creating a thirst. It talks about an attractiveness, right? Shouldn't there be an attractiveness to believers? Challenges with that one, of course, through the years. Uh, the only attraction was is as a gladiator sport. Uh, that's probably not the kind of attraction that you might want to get. But in this particular case, I want you to use the word preservation, to be preserved. We are preservers. We are to prevent decay. If you have your Bibles there, look at the passage of Scripture over in 2 Thessalonians. A little bit further over towards Revelation. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you have a Bible like mine, 1042. If you don't, um, you can look on your neighbor. Chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians. Verse 5, it begins, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. 
And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And the coming of the lawless ones, and we talk about is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, lying, wonders, and all those various things. But we're talking about Christians actually preventing the world to degenerate more than it is even at the moment we're in. Do you understand? I mean, as salt, that's one of the reasons why we're still, that's why when you got saved, you just didn't automatically go to heaven. Could you imagine, my friend, the value of Christianity over the ages? Any society that has had a Judeo-Christian ethic has always been a good place to live. And cultures without it? Big-time challenges. Come back to your text there in Matthew. And it says there, in the Amplified, let me read the rest of that verse. It says, but if the salt has lost its taste or strength, the qualities, its qualities, how can it, its saltness, be restored? It is good for anything. It's not good for anything any longer but to be thrown out and trodden underfoot. This verse has been taken multiple ways, but I want to assure you, number one, this is not talking about losing your salvation. It's talking about the salt losing its saltiness. It always remains salt, right? I mean, we could take a look at John 10 and verse 27 talks about my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And it also talks about in that particular passage that I will give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. And it goes on to say about he has them. Jesus has us in his hand and the father has us in his hand. We are secure. But if you look at the verse there, 1 Corinthians 9 and 27... It talks about Paul disciplining his life, but somehow falling off and becoming disqualified. It didn't say that he lost his salvation. His effectiveness. Salt has a purpose. And it is to preserve. We need people who are salty for God. And as you think about that one a little bit, with that in mind, the question then really is, how salty am I? And maybe a question to help you with that is, if you were removed from the world, your home, your school, wherever, how would the kingdom be affected? Ooh. Might want to circle that question. Think about that one later. Salt is that indirect influence. Right? Salt, you can't really see it. But when you put it in a soup or it's not in the soup, you know, right? That's kind of the way we should be in the world. There needs to be that indirect influence. 
wherever we are, people can see the change. You ever had it happen? I, I get it. Once they find out I'm a pastor, oh my goodness. I wish it was just because it was Wayne Haken in. But you walk into a group of people, especially guys in the locker room situation, and all of a sudden, you know, they're laughing with hilarity, and you walk in, and it's like, that's indirect. Oh, to God that his people, this church family, could have that kind of influence without saying a word. They know we are a follower of Jesus Christ. Salt, but it goes on. It doesn't just leave us with salt. It talks about the fact that we are the light of the world. And you all know that I like lighthouses, so I had to throw this in here. But in this area, it's the word illuminate. So we're here to preserve, to keep, to maintain the standards of Judeo-Christian ethic. It's what God wants us to be in this world, but he also wants us to be light. And that word light is to give light, to make clear, to show the way. This is a more aggressive. This one here is reaching out like it says in Ephesians chapter 5, that we are no longer walking in darkness, but we are sons of light, my friend. And we're not to walk as if we live in the dark. But we are to walk in a way that is consistent with God Almighty. Woohoo! That kind of an influence, my friend, is going to help people, the world, see the transformation that God makes in His children. If you look back at the text in Matthew again, you read a little bit further. It says, you are the light of the world. A city. This is that direct influence that is not hidden. This is, this is the difference, friend. We have the salt that is more quiet, off to the side, and now we have the light, which is, <laughs> boom. Wow, that was different. It's not hidden. It's not in a place that's obscure. It's there for everyone to see. It's put on display. Got to love it when I hear our young people take a stand in school and they will write a report and they will nail it to the wall. Because you know in school, They're not being taught Judeo-Christian. They are being taught something totally different. And when they're given the opportunity, they stand as a lighthouse to all around. Woo. Friend, this is the component. This is what Jesus was talking about to his disciples. What was so remarkable was the fact that not only did Jesus talk it, he lived it when he walked into a room. And there were times when he had to stand strong for his faith. That they may see 
your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Quickly, can you look at Titus? Great passage. Titus chapter 2. We see some qualities that Titus was reminded to teach the church. But as for you, Titus chapter 2 verse 1, speak these things which are proper for sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be sober and reverent and temperate and sound in faith and love and patience. Teach the older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Verse 7, in all these things, showing yourselves to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is your opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to speak of you. Salt, light. The kingdom of God is made up of people of influencers. That's what this is, salt and light. It's influence. We've talked already about the element of how this all comes as we went back over the Beatitudes. You see, it begins with that humble, poor in spirit, coming to Jesus, repenting, and being broken, and all those things, filling up, allowing the Word of God and God to fill your cup to overfilling. That is the salt in your life. That's where it comes from. But then we also saw, well... The overflow of that mercy and pure in heart and peacemaking, that's the light. So, an influencer, it's the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something. And we talked about being a peacemaker, crossing guard. We're influencers. As believers, you, you can influence. You're, saying, you're sitting here, no, I, I don't think so. You know, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? He is in the process of transforming you. And you are salt and light. But the world doesn't want us to influence them. As a matter of fact, they want us to be more tolerant to their views. They're going to use every tactic they can to dismiss us, to throw us underfoot. Remember where it talked about the salt? It was thrown on the path. Why wasn't it thrown in the field? Because it was still salt. If they had thrown the salt in the field, it would have killed their crops. So they put it in the path where it had of no effect. That's where the world wants us to be. And they're pretty loud about it. It's the Camerons of this world that want to shut us down. And sometimes it sounds like this. Watch this little video clip. I hope it will be an encouragement to you. Because you, my friend, are the salt and the light. 
Hello? We're salt. He didn't say you're going to become. If you are a, a kingdom dweller, you are salt and you are light. This week, we get the privilege of going into this world who wants to shut us down and do everything that it possibly can, but by the grace of God, we can stand, can we not? True to our mooring. Our anchor is sure. What are you facing today? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who are you fighting today? I hope it's not God and the change that he wants to make in your life. You know, when you came to the cross for salvation, there are times in your transformation that he nudges you, and guess what? How do you get the salt back? (laughs) Getting back humbly. You're poor in spirit, and you repent again, and you continue to walk the walk that God has given us to do. You are, my friend, the salt and the light. We are being transformed in order to be godly influences for his glory and honor. And all of God's people said, my friend, if you're here today and you don't know him, you're on a losing battle. My friend, if you're here today and there's struggle in your life, join the crew. Let's team up. Let's work together. And let's remember the purpose is for us to be this for his glory, not ours. Let's stand together and pray. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to look into your word and to be encouraged by it. I pray that we would be influencers for you this week. May we allow. It's not something that we do on our own. It's something that because of what is taking place in our lives, we can't help but be. God, may we be diligent. And God, may we give you glory this week with our lives. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.